Well, we have been traveling through a series over the last, now it's our fourth week, uh, a series we've been calling Trending, and we have been just jumping in and looking at the most pressing topics and conversations and issues of our day. We've been asking the question, what does God's Word have to say about these trending topics. And we haven't been shying away from anything, have we? So we've been diving right in. And, and a lot of you have been coming up to me and thanking me that we've been doing this and not shying away. And on the one hand, I appreciate the encouragement. On the other hand, if we don't have a faith that speaks to the issues of the day, then what on earth are we believing in this for in the first place? Amen? Like if, if we can't get up and talk about the things that are pressing into real life, if this God we serve doesn't have good news for every trending topic that we have to talk about, then I don't want to follow him. But the good news is this, and this is what we've been finding out over the last few weeks, is that for every trending topic and every cultural conversation, the gospel of Jesus is abundantly good news. You found that? It's abundantly good news. Jesus is good news and hope for every single situation and circumstance. And today... Uh, I've never preached on what I'm going to talk about today, and I probably won't for quite some time again. But uh, I, I want to jump in and have a conversation surrounding the topic of substances uh, and how we use substances and how we as Christians are supposed to understand these things. And uh, just to get you up to speed, the reason I felt to talk about this it was prompted by the legalization of cannabis in Canada. So we are now a couple weeks into uh, living in a nation where you can now use recreationally um, the, the cannabis, marijuana. And so I thought, hey, why don't we talk about that? Not just about the use of that particular drug, but the use of all drugs. Let's talk about it. Uh, we want to talk about the use of alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. Did you know that? I want to talk about things that affect your, your mind and how they affect your body. And I want to talk about this, biblically speaking, and how we as Christians should understand the use of substances. So I'm going to teach a little bit, and I'm going to preach a little bit, and I hope that you're going to leave here encouraged. Uh, but I want to just set up a couple ground rules again, as we have been in kind of you know, touchy waters over the last several weeks. We talked about identity and gender. Like we started off with a real light one. And then we, we talked about sexuality. And then last week we talked about culture wars. So this week, uh, although it's not maybe quite as emotional of a topic as we've been in, um, we have to set up some framework before we jump in and I help us process this conversation about substances. A uh, few things I want you to be in, keep in mind. First is this. I want, I want, as we have been, and you've been so good at this, but I want to ask you to keep an open mind and to the best of your ability, table your presuppositions. Um, depending on your upbringing and your background and your life experience, you are coming to the table as we talk about this with all kinds of opinions that may or may not be biblically informed. And so the purpose of this series, first and foremost, is for us as believers and as a body of believers to open the word of God and say, God, I want you to speak into this. I want to just pause what the culture is saying. I want to pause what my opinions are. I want to pause what my upbringing says for a minute. And I want just like, Lord, what are you saying about this thing to me in the here and now? So you got to understand, though, in a church our size, and I love this about our church, we have people from every spectrum of life and upbringing. We have people that grew up in the church like me. You were sheltered and you, were, you grew up, and I grew up like that. Alcohol is the, you know, it's the devil's juice, <laughs> right? Like that's what I grew up with. And, and I grew up with a lot of fear around it. 
Uh, and if you were like me and you grew up in that, I want you to just kind of press pause for a second on, on kind of your cultural upbringing. And then there's some of you, though, that, that you grew up in church, too, and the priest was, more, was like the, the one handing out alcohol, right? So all of us have a, a very different spectrum in this. And, and I want to say this right now, that uh, it doesn't mean that you're a good Christian or a bad Christian. There's a lot of things wrong in, in my upbringing on how we understood substances. And there's a lot of things I think we need to correct on every end of the spectrum. So if we can just for 40 minutes, just kind of put this out here and say, Lord, would you speak into this for me here and now? And I want to do what you say. That's been the heart behind this whole series. It's been, God, just speak on this issue. We want to hear your word on it, and, and I'm open to receiving that. Amen? You're open to receiving it? If, if God can't speak into your life, then who can? It's one of the things I've noticed even in this series. I've had a few, a few conversations with people who haven't liked what I've had to say. Um, and my, my feeling on that is if, if, if God can't say no to you, who can? If, if no, who in your life can challenge your opinion? This is a moment in humility that we say, Lord, if you want to say something to me, I'm listening. Amen? All right, 40 of you are going to get it, so that's great. Um, the other thing I want you to realize before I jump in is this. Realize that this is not a simple black and white, cut and dry issue. That the Bible, when we get talking about substances, doesn't just clearly state, like it's not in the Ten Commandments. It doesn't clearly state, never use cannabis. It's just not in there. It doesn't clearly state, never drink alcohol. It's just not in there. So we have got to look with a different lens. I want to teach you a fun, nerdy Bible word called hermeneutics. <laughs> what hermeneutics is is that it's understanding what the Bible is saying in its context. It's understanding where the Bible doesn't say something explicitly. We have to look at it as a whole and find out what it's saying implicitly. And so that's what her biblical hermeneutics are about. And so we're going we're gonna to use our hermeneutic hat. Isn't that a fun word to say, Herman? Hermeneutic? No? All right. Some of you like are tired. You're up all night with wind. I get it. I want us to get three kind of words that are going to help us look at this issue and filter it. Um, three filters, maybe for you, it's more like a, a procedure, uh, something that, you know, if we can answer yes, keep moving. If it's no, we're out. And, and I'm going to give us three different words to kind of help us process this as a body and as individuals as we look at substances, kind of a, an algorithm, a flow chart, if you will. And they're going to surround around three words and three conversations I want to have. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first bottom line conversation and question we need to ask about this is, does the Bible tell us that, uh, that alcohol and marijuana and substances, legal substances, that are they sinful? This is the first question I want to ask, sinfulness. What is the, the word on it? Is it sinful? Is it wrong to drink alcohol or to, to use marijuana? That's the first question I want to ask. Now, up until a couple weeks ago, I could have unequivocally answered the question about marijuana, that it is a sin to use marijuana. Why? Because it was illegal. And as Bible-believing Christians, we believe that we are supposed to submit to the laws of the land that we live in. Uh, but now it's not illegal, so we have to have a conversation. Okay, is it okay for us as believers? Because there's a lot of things that the government say are okay for all that we as Christians don't think are okay for all, correct? Yes. So we want to ask that question, is it sinful? Is it okay? What does the Bible actually say about substances? So let's first look at 
the positive things the Bible tells us about substances. Just to pump the brakes before some of you are already running down the road of, of whether it's this or that, we as believers, first and foremost, believe that God created everything and that God actually gave us plants and animals and vegetation and all kinds of things to actually for our benefit and that there are benefits to certain substances. We, we know this from foods. We know this from medicine, that God has actually given humanity the grace of substances and that rightly appropriating them actually brings benefit into our lives. And the Bible doesn't shy away from talking about the benefits of alcohol in a couple different contexts. I, I found a few cool verses that kind of talk about alcohol as a good thing or it celebrates it. Psalm 104, look at this. God, you cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth the food from the earth, and here it is, and wine to gladden the heart of man. So here it is, speaking about it in a good context. Ecclesiastes 9.7 it says, Go and eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Again, this isn't speaking negatively about wine in and of itself or alcohol. And probably the most compelling argument to say that God doesn't think that, that alcohol is innately sinful, the most compelling one would be that Jesus, uh, on his first miracle uh, at the wedding at Cana, decided to turn water into wine. If Jesus had a problem with it, he probably wouldn't have made that mixed, uh, mixed message, correct? Like, this is a real thing. You know, I actually, like, I was brought up in such a hyper-religion. I, I heard one preacher talk about, I, I think he made non-alcoholic wine. No, it was the real deal. And uh, he's good. It's fine. It's okay. So in that context, let's just look at it. Wine in and of itself, alcohol in and of itself, the Bible doesn't just say it's wrong, it's bad, stay away from it. And generally speaking, when you're talking about substances, the issue surrounding substances isn't so much what it is. That there are a lot of good things that God made that, that it's not bad in and of itself. It's how you apply it to your life. That becomes the question. But, but at face value, the Bible celebrates certain things about alcohol. It celebrates uh, the fact that God gave us the plants. God gave us things to help benefit us. This is where we get medicine from. We aren't one of these churches that thinks that medicine is bad. We celebrate it. We thank God for the grace, the common grace of medicine. Amen? A lot of you have experienced the healing of God because God gave physicians and scientists and, and pharmacists and, and all kinds of people who work in that medical field the ability to use his creation for, uh, in a way that brings healing to your life. Isn't that amazing? We celebrate that as believers. Absolutely. And many of you, uh, you've gone through treatments, you take medications, that's, that's utilizing the earth that God has created uh, to actually bring health into your life. And some of you, some of us, can I just pump the brakes for a second on, on the marijuana conversation? I actually did a lot of research on marijuana this week. I know way more about it than I ever thought I would. Uh, but I talked to a couple Christian doctors even. I said, okay, really, like, like on the cannabis thing, is medicinal use of cannabis, is that actually a thing or has that just been kind of a way to get access to some good bud, right? Is that, is that, and, uh, and both of them said, actually, there is, there's a lot, there's growing evidence and there's growing uh, data just showing that, you know, for certain illnesses, for certain things, that cannabis, there's medicine that we can create from it that actually 
does really help. So from a medical standpoint, the Bible celebrates certain substances as beneficial. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 5. It celebrates the, me the medicinal components of alcohol. This is Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy. Look at it. 1 Timothy 5, 23, stop drinking water only and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. You got a weak stomach, boy. Drink some wine. That's what he's saying. So, so again, it's really hard for you to take the Bible seriously and say, alcohol, bad. Or even uh, drugs, bad. We, no, it's the, it, the Bible does not say that. Okay? The Bible doesn't say that, and, and we don't believe that. Uh, a lot of you have used heavy, heavy drugs in your life, and you didn't even know it. Like, you had surgery, and they gave you morphine. Did you know morphine? Like, that's where we get heroin from? Like, it's just the, it's the right appropriation of certain drugs we celebrate. Amen? Yay for drugs! Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's going to be a gif, and someone's going to take that and say, Pastor in St. John celebrating and peddling drugs. That's not what I'm doing. Stay with me. Stay with me. You got to understand this, though. Substances aren't inherently sinful, okay? So it's not the substance itself. It's what you do with it. This is where the Bible starts to draw lines on the question of sinfulness. The Bible tells us that what is sinful is not the use of a drug or alcohol. What is sinful is intoxication, intoxication is when we are getting into the zone of that goes against the will of God for your life. It's drunkenness is the sin. Look at what the Bible says. Look, all kinds of scriptures about this. I'll pick out a few. Uh, verse 13 of Proverbs 31. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. So again, drunkenness is put in there as a thing to abstain from. So the line of intoxication takes substances into the sin zone. That's what you want to know. Like, what's the minimum requirement? What am I allowed to do? Uh, don't get drunk is, is step one. Never get drunk. That's, that's a Christian principle. If I, I don't think I can say it any clearer. Do not get drunk ever. Pastor says so. Bible says so. There you go. So that's in the Bible. That's a no-go as a believer, okay? I'm helping some people. Okay, don't get drunk. All right, so... There's a reason for this, though. And the Bible's not trying to just be difficult. And we'll get to this a little bit more in a few minutes. But God is not ever trying to withhold from you. It's that sin is when you are engaging in something and embracing something that is actually going against God's will, his good and perfect and pleasing will for you. And the reason intoxication and drunkenness is a sin is because it is actually pushing your, it's pushing you in the opposite direction of what God's spirit wants to do in your life. What does alcohol do? Alcohol is a depressant. Uh, drugs can distort reality. Alcohol can actually, it takes the edge off, correct? It can actually, it pulls you back. It doesn't make you engage reality more. It makes you escape it, correct? This is not easy for me, y'all. Talk to me. Thank you. My wind blew last night too. Jeepers. Yeah, it's, it's, Alcohol is pushing you back. And so what? So the reason it's sinful is because that goes against God's will for your life. Look at this. Maybe this will help you. Colossians, or Galatians 5 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit. 
This is God's desire for you, to walk by the Spirit, that his Spirit would bring life into your life. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're free. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness. So he lumps that in there. Orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no lie. So, so get, no, no law. So get this. What, the, what alcohol and substances do when you get intoxicated is it's actually pulling you back. It, do you have self-control when you are drunk? No, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that for talking back to me. Yes, you don't have self-control. Are you, are you more engaged with reality or less engaged with reality? Less, right. So, so the work of the Spirit is actually to work in your life in such a way that it helps you fully engage this life. That's what God is trying to do. He's, he's not trying to help you escape the world. He's trying to help reconcile, redeem, and restore the world. And he's trying to begin in your mind and how you see things and understand things. He doesn't want you to run away from and escape your world. He wants to come in and change your world and help you engage the world as it is. That's some good preaching, Brad. That's pretty good. <laughs> Alcohol actually does the opposite. Alcohol is a depressant. It, it pulls you back. And this is why it goes against the grain of the will of God in your life. Look at how Paul says it in Ephesians 5. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk. There it is. As clear as day. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do you see the contrast? The contrast is this. Isn't it interesting that we call like wine and spirits? What it does in you is actually the very opposite of what the Spirit of God wants to do in you. This is why Paul keeps contrasting these two things. That to get drunk, to, to take a substance that is going to either distort or depress you or, or, or actually disengage you from reality is to go against the very grain of the will of God in your life. God wants to enhance your world. He doesn't want you to have to escape it. He doesn't want you to have to, to take something or do something that's going to cause you just to be able to, to, to bear it. He wants to be the comfort in your life, not the drink. Amen? So that's why it's a sin. That's why drunkenness is a sin. Think about, and think about just the language we use around getting, getting drunk or, or, or stoned or high. Like we, we get, you know, I got wrecked last weekend. Right? Oh, she was destroyed, right? That's the language we use when we take, when we take alcohol too far. Or we, and what language do we use around God? God is not a destroyer. God is a restorer. God is a builder. God is here to build your life as you build on him. God wants to raise you up, not bring you down. Uh, you, you know, we use language like, uh, I got wasted. God doesn't want you to waste. God wants to actually bring value into your life. Do you see how these two things contrast with one another? Uh, you know, I got high. Well, God actually wants you to be rooted and grounded. 
He doesn't want you floating airy-fairy over the universe. He wants, you to, he wants you rooted and grounded and strong and stable and secure and healthy. That's what God is after in your life. Do you see how these things contrast? So this is why drunkenness, intoxication, is out of bounds. So we ask the question, is it sinful? The answer, intoxication is a yes. That is a, it's a sin. Yes, it is a sin. Or no, don't do it. However you, did you say yes or no? Uh, it's Intoxication is a sin. Uh, medication, it's, it's not a sin. Okay, so, so drugs are not sinful. Uh, alcohol is not sinful. There are medicinal purposes for those things. And, and so don't just lump it all together. And some of you are prone to do that. So at face value, uh, these two things. That, so intoxication, no. Medication, yes. Now what's the, what's the question about recreation? Because that's what you all are wondering. Where do, I, where do we land as believers on like the recreational use? Well, for alcohol, the Bible does not forbid it. Okay, the Bible does not forbid the recreational use of alcohol. It just doesn't. You see examples of it being used and consumed. It's in there. Uh, but what about marijuana? With marijuana, I did quite a bit of research on this. One thing I don't want to do today is, and it's super easy for you to, uh, on something that you don't understand or participate in, to automatically jump to conclusions and assumptions and talk about those people and they're just and all that. Uh, one of the things I was really checked on as I kind of did some research was just this reality that I didn't really understand a whole lot about it. And one of the things I found is this, that at face value, uh, alcohol has done far more damage than marijuana ever has. Alcohol has ruined way more marriages and way more lives and way more livers and way more bodies than marijuana ever has. I'm not, propon- I'm not saying marijuana is good. I'm just saying let's just pump the brakes on lumping all the potheads in some bad, you know, bad group. But the question of this, can you use marijuana recreationally? Um, my answer is a 99.9999999999999% no. Some of you are like, oh, I'm glad he said that. And another one's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. Right? Like, because I can't point you to a scripture that says, thou shalt not use cannabis, steer clear of cannabis and be. It's not in there, it's not in the Bible. Uh, what we have to do is apply principles, and that is this. If the sin is intoxication, not the consumption of, of a certain substance, but the sin is actually intoxication, then the question you have to ask is this. Can you utilize cannabis uh, for recreational purposes without getting high? That's the question. And so I interviewed a couple, I talked to a couple doctors. I actually talked to a stoner friend um, who, <laughs> I really did. I told, listen, y'all, I went there. I was like, I'm trying to find out because I don't have a whole lot of experience in that zone. And I asked, like, hey, is it possible, like, to use marijuana and not get high? And he goes, is it possible? I, I suppose, but who would do that, right? Like, <laughs> like why, why would I do that, right? Like, it's like, that's not why you use it. You use it for the buzz. You use it for the high. That's why we use it. And one of the doctors I talked to said one of the reasons that alcohol is a little less dangerous socially at the front end is because there's a social window there, 
where with alcohol, it might, it might loosen you up a little bit. It might even help you engage with one another more. There is a, there is a zone there where it is still safe before you cra- cross a line. With marijuana, it's really, really, really hard to know where that zone is, and that window is very, very small. And so the question is, maybe you are, maybe you are a pot smoker, and you're wondering, can I do this? My, I would push back and say, probably not, but can you do it without getting high? And then the thing I would push on that is, why would you do it without getting high? Isn't that the point? So I know there's a lot of people that can drink socially with zero intention of getting drunk. Um, I don't know that that's the case for, for marijuana. So that's my, that's my two cents on, is it sinful? Can I do it? But here's the thing I want to take this conversation in. As believers, we aren't minimum requirement people. Our job as believers is not to say, what's the most I can get away with? Right? Like, how close can I get to the line, God? So is it a sin if I have two puffs or one? Like, like no, the, that's not a good question. A good question for your life is not, is it sinful? There are better questions that bring more life. And that's what I actually want to look at. And so we're going to kind of keep moving here. And I want to ask a second question that comes around a second word. The word is standards. Standards. The question of what is good. Uh, not, Not what's wrong, but a better question as a believer is what is good. Uh, this is next level stuff. To just ask, is it a sin? That's JV. That's grade three. That is not high level Christian living. A better question, if you want to maximize your life and experience more of God, is to move from what can I get away with to God, what is your, what is your ultimate highest best will for me? And so to do that, I want to ask the question surrounding standards. This word standards. Who sets your standards? What are your standards? I thought it was interesting. I saw a lot of posts online uh, the week that, that marijuana came legal. And a bunch of people like who hadn't smoked pot in 30 years decided that, hey, well, it's legal now, so I'm going to go do it. And I just thought, like, in what world do we let the government set our standards for what is a good idea? Like, all of a sudden, because the government said, go for it. You're feeling like, well, why not, right? Like, I I am sorry. I got way too much uh, just good things in my life to just allow the government to determine for me what's good for me. I don't know about you, but I'm not listening to the government to begin with. I'm not about to let them set my standards. I don't know about anybody else. So standards, the conversation about standards. Just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's good for you. All right? So just because it's legal... If it's illegal, it's wrong, but if it's legal, it doesn't mean it's good. All right? So three questions for setting standards. I think these questions are actually going to really help you, hopefully for your life. Not just talking about substances, but just in general. Three questions for setting standards. Three questions to help us discern what God would have in our lives. Okay? So question number one is this. Is it good for me? Is it good for me? Is it wisdom? Is it actually bringing about positive things in my life? That is the best question that I think if we could just put that on our lips before we make decisions, we would, we would mitigate so much disaster in our lives. Like to ask the question, is it wise? Wouldn't that have saved you from a lot of heartache in the past? 
Like, is it wise? Not am I allowed, is it wise? Is this going to actually bring about great results in the end? If you can, like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. Is this wise? Is it good for me? That is a much better question to ask. And when it comes to the conversation surrounding alcohol, because I think we've already answered the marijuana piece, so let's keep going. The Bible still does permit the, the drinking of alcohol, so let's keep asking some questions. The Bible has massive warnings and cautions surrounding alcohol. So when it gets into the conversation about is it good, the Bible does give some opinion on it. Now again, it's very hard to say you can't ever drink. I hope you've heard me say that's not what the Bible says. Are we, are we there yet? Because I'm going to push on wisdom for a second, but I don't want anybody to leave here saying, well, he said I can never drink. No, I didn't. But I'm going to give some, some wisdom here. Look at this. Hosea 4, verse 11. The Bible says that wine has robbed my people of their understanding. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Is it wise? Proverbs 23, 29. This is, this is an interesting, this interesting passage. Solomon, the king, wrote this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. I love that picture. Whoa, whoa. They hit me, you say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. And when I wake up, so I can find another drink. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? It's not speaking super positively about the great benefits of wine here. That's, that's at least Solomon's take. So you got to ask the question about wisdom. Is it good for me? Just because something is allowed doesn't mean it's good. Don't we want that for our kids to use that filter? Like, I want my kids to ask the question, not am I allowed or did God, did dad say not to? I want them to ask the question, what is wise? What is a good thing? So I don't have to come in and find them drawing on the wall. Well, you didn't say. Use your head. Right? Like, don't be dumb. That's, you can tweet that. So just because something is allowed doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And so you have to ask the question, and for some of you, let me just say this. There are a bunch of you that you have been casually drinking for years and years, and it hasn't, it hasn't been a destructive thing in your life whatsoever. Great. There are a bunch of you that I would push you to pump the brakes and step back and look at your life and ask the question, has this brought positivity and life and peace and joy into my world or not? What have been the products of this substance? And I think there's a, a lot more of you who probably shouldn't do it because it's been destructive in your life, but you just keep doing it anyway. So some of you need to get off the bus right there because it's just not been good for you. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. There's that line of intoxication, and for some reason, you just seem to go across it every single time, and it does bad things in your life. You just need to say no to it outright. Can I just say that? And can I just say that that's, that's okay? You're not some weirdo. Hey, I don't drink ever, okay? So it's okay. Some of you just need to say no forever and ever because you can't handle it. 
right? That's, and that's what wisdom looks like for you. That's maturity, not immaturity. You to say no to that. Because just because something's allowed doesn't mean it's good. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. I have the right to do anything, anything you say. I can do whatever I want. Say by grace, right? But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, Paul says, but not everything is constructive. No one, now watch this, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Now here's the second question you have to ask when it comes to anything, but we'll talk about substances and alcohol. Not just is it good for me, but question number two, and this is an even more pressing question, is it good for others? Is it good for others? Does my drinking and consuming of alcohol put someone else at risk? Does my usage of it make it harder for the person that shouldn't be having it to stay away from it? That's a better and more mature question and a more God-honoring question. I mean, after all, we serve the one who went without for our benefit. Correct? That's what Jesus did. Although he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and humbled himself and became human and died a criminal's death, even death on the cross, right? Like that, that scripture about Jesus saying, I'll say no to my glory, even though I deserve it, even though I can have it, they need me, right? And so there's a more mature question as believers we have to start asking is not just, can I have it? It's, can you have it? And if you can't have it, then how, how on earth can I just sit here with an with a open bottle when I know you're an alcoholic? Why would I do that to you? Why would I risk causing you to stumble? See, the heart of God just would never, would never make it harder for someone to find life. God is always trying to make, to bring help for you to find life. So for you to just blindly, like some of you, like, like can I say this in Christian love? Like some of you who have family members who are alcoholics, you don't get to drink either. All right? Love your family enough. Love them enough to not make it harder for them. That, that's sin. That is sin. To actually make it harder for someone to succeed in their life. That goes against the grain of everything Jesus died for. Look at this scripture, Romans. Paul says it again, Romans 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And what's edification? It's a fancy word for life and strength and health. Bring health. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So alcohol might be okay for you, but if you have a family member or someone who looks up to you or someone who is close to you, who it's a no for them, then it's a no for you. And some of you need to love your people enough to just say no, just for their benefit. That's why I've never had a problem with alcohol. I've never, I've never had a problem with it. I don't drink though. You know why? Because there are dozens of you that the moment you see, oh, Pastor Brent drinks, the moment you see that, you're going to say, well, I guess I can have a few. And you're going off the rails. So if me, if I can be a voice in your life that says, hey, I don't drink, I don't need to, I never have it, and my life, my cup overflows, I am so satisfied, I don't need it, you can do it too. Why would I not be that for people? Like, and I believe as Christians, like as a Christian community, like we should ask the question, like, okay, King's Church, 
Let me take it to all of us. Let me just lump all of us in here. You're not the pastor, I know, but we are a community. What does it mean for us to not be something that causes the region to stumble? When we live in a region, I talk about alcohol addiction. You talk about generational alcohol addiction that has ripped this region apart. Man, we should be a church that we are, we are there as a source of strength to this region. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery. That's why we value those things. We want to help people get straight, to get clean. We want to help people to not be addicted. Amen? Amen. So the better question is this. Not just is it good for me, but is it good for others? And some of you, you got to jump off the ship right there. Say, well, you know what? I can have it, but my husband can't. So I can't. Right? I feel like I'm, uh, is, is that, you tracking? Okay. Here's the best question, though. Not just is it good for me, not just is it good for others, is it God's for me? This is my favorite question, and this is the most mature question. And this, if you can start asking God this question about everything in your life, you're going to start to see him revolutionize your world, and you're going to start to see greater and greater blessings come into your, into your life. Is it God's for me? One of the things that happens as you start to follow Jesus is he starts to put his finger on things in your life that aren't in the Bible as sin, they're not wrong for everybody. They're not even bad. They're just things where he'll say, can I have that? Hey, hey, Brent, can, I know, I know other people do that, but I, can, I, can I have that? Would you, would you not do that for me? And would you start doing this for me? One of the things I've found as I've grown in the grace of Jesus is that to grow in the grace, it requires more and more space in my life for him to have permission. And so my standards, first and foremost, are set by the Bible, and then they're set by the people around me. But then I have this place where I allow God to set standards just between me and him. And it might be on alcohol or anything else that God has just said, hey, I want you to give that to me because I have a higher calling for you. And so because there's a higher calling, I have a higher standard. And if you want great blessings and God-sized blessings in your life, let me tell you something. You're gonna have to have God-sized standards. Some of you don't have any room, any margin in your world for God to do something great. So you have to raise standards and say, I am making space for God's blessing. That's what a standard does. When you set a standard and say, I'm going to start doing this every day, I'm going to get up early, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm tired, even when the wind blew all night, and I'm going to get up and get on my face before God every day. Why? It's a standard. It's not because you feel like it. It's a space you're creating for God to occupy. Uh, it's every single weekend. It doesn't matter if the wind blew all night and it was a monsoon. I'm getting my family to church. I don't care if they're fighting me. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a war the whole way there. We're getting to church. Why? It's a standard. Because why? I need God to bless my week. My week. You set a standard. You give God space. Your finances. Hey, I know money's tight. I know things are difficult. I know we got all these pressures, but I'm going to give God first. Why? Because I need him to bless the rest. You create a standard. What a standard is, is it creates space for the blessing of God to occupy your life. And so for some of you, you want to have higher blessings? It's going to require higher standards. Don't be surprised when God says, hey, I want you to not do that. Uh, some of the things that I won't do now, I, the, the 21-year-old Brent would laugh at, scoff. Like, that's not bad. Why would you, do, you know, there's a bunch of things that aren't wrong. And there's things that probably some of you would laugh at, but there are things between me and God. That God said, hey, I want to do great things in your life. I want to do great things in your life. I know the Lord has spoken that over me. 
I want to do great things, and it's going to take great, there's going to be costs associated with it. There's going to be things that you don't get to do that other people get to do, because I want to do things in you that other people aren't going to get to do. Does that make sense? So there's sometimes that God, like if you want God to do more things in your life, to do greater things, it, don't be surprised if he starts saying, uh, then it's going to take this, and it's going to take this, and you're going to have to give up that, and you're going to have to go over here. That's what starts to happen when you start to see God working in your life in greater measure. Your standards get higher. How many of you would say, I mean, God's doing a great thing at King's Church? He absolutely is. Like, I, like God has been doing a great thing, and the reason is this. I don't think it's because we love Jesus more than the the churches down the road. I don't think it's because your pastor's holier. I don't think it's any of that. I think it has to do with standards. I think it has to do with us being willing to set uncomfortable standards on certain things, that we will be a praying church, that we will be a church that doesn't avoid talking about difficult issues. What I'm doing right now is a standard. It's a standard that says, God, you get to speak and define how we live, period. And I don't care if that's uncomfortable. I don't care what they say on the Facebook feed. I don't care who emails me and says, I don't think you should. I don't care. That's my standard, God's word. And we set those standards. And when we set those standards and we say, God, this is your space, no one else's. God loves to fill it. Here's here's something I think, this, this just changed my whole world when I started to understand this, at least in my mind. Sometimes my heart's not there, but in my mind, I know that for every thou shalt not, God has in my life, he has a that you may that is coming. For every time he has said no, it's because he has a greater yes. And for some of you, you need to consider maybe the alcohol thing, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's something completely other than that. Maybe it's some other substance, maybe it's food. Maybe it's something else that you're misappropriating, that God is saying, I want you to stop that because I got something. I want to replace that space with something better. I want to give you the real thing. I want to give you something greater. I want to do something greater. That's that's what standards do in your life. And that's the best question you can start asking. Is this God's standard for me? Is this God's standard for me? Standards. One thing, let me just say this and I'll be done. You guys have been so attentive and thank you. I will say higher standards, or sorry, higher callings require higher standards. Like there's that proverb, I had it in here, Proverbs 31, it's not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer. Listen, if you want to lead and you want to influence people, God's going to call you to higher standards. And God has made all of us leaders, just FYI. The other thing I would say is this, do not, I repeat, do not place your God standard on someone else. We place God's word on everyone. The things that are explicitly in the word that God says, this is for everyone. We hold each other accountable to that, correct? But if God says, Brent, I don't want you eating black licorice anymore. It's gross. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, go with me. If he says that to me, the mistake, it would be wrong of me to say, thus saith the Lord, no one gets black licorice. This is what the church has done. This is what the Jews had done when Jesus showed up. They created rules that God never said. Some well-intentioned person discovered something, how to create more margin for God, and then what they did was they standardized it and said that everyone must do this. That's religion. That's wrong. 
So if God tells you not to drink, don't you dare judge that other person who, who can handle it and they've worked that out with God. Don't you do that. Okay? That's where stuff like, I have a little booklet in my office because I come from the holiness movement and the holiness movement, they, they went crazy with this. They took standards that God set up between individuals and they standardized them on a whole community. I have a little booklet that says why, why going to movies is wrong. For real, y'all. And it's like a 20-page essay on the sins of the theater, right? Like, like, come on, people. Like, let individuals navigate those things. It's, you understand? Okay, so we don't want to be one of those churches that we place our personal standards on other people. We place biblical standards on one another. We engage community standards, but we don't, we don't judge one another according to our standard. Amen? Amen. All right. Last little word, and I'll be done. I'll be done. I'm going to be done in a second. Ben, you can come back, I promise. I'm really, I'm really wrapping it up. The biggest question surrounding, especially substances, but I would say anything in your life uh, that is this external, you know, uh, substance, a relationship, um, an endeavor, the great filter, the ultimate filter is this word, Satisfaction. Uh, satisfaction. If I wanted to replace it with a shorter S word, I would say source. Um, and it has to do with what is living. Like, what is my source for living? The reason that a substance can be sinful, whether that's marijuana, whether that's alcohol, whether that's food, whether that's caffeine, whatever that is, the reason a substance can be sinful is not because it is sinful in and of itself. The reason it is sinful is because we are going to it to receive something from it that the creator was made to give us. It's when we go to a created thing to take the place of the creator himself. That's what makes it sinful. So for you, alcohol might be a sin, not because it's bad in and of itself. You might be able to answer all those questions. What's good? Is it good for me? Is it good for others? Is it God's for me? Maybe I answer all those questions, but what makes it wrong is if you are going to it to be your source of joy and life and not to God. What becomes a sin is when you look for a substance instead of a someone. When you go to a substance instead of the Savior. This was the whole point of Jesus's miracle at the wedding at Cana. John chapter 2, we don't have time to read it, but I'll just paraphrase it. Jesus' first miracle, him and his disciples are at this wedding. The wedding's going on, and we find that they actually run out of wine, which is to the groom's absolute humiliation and shame. And the Bible says that Jesus uh, commanded a couple of his disciples and the master of ceremony to go and take a bunch of jugs, fill them with water, and then start serving it out. And as that happened, the Bible says that it actually miraculously changed water into wine. So if you want biblical evidence that Jesus isn't freaked out by wine, there you have it. However, the point of this miracle was not to say, go drink wine. That's not what Jesus was saying. The point of this miracle is this. What does wine represent at a party? It represents like the joy, the joie de vie, which by the way, Pastor Dell, you're French. Oh my goodness. Samuel de Champlain. That was awesome. His American was really showing right there. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, it's like, what does wine represent? It represents like the joie de vie, right? Like the, the it's the lifeblood. It's red. It's that lifeblood of a party. 
And the, the statement that Jesus was making, like after that, the, the wine started going out and the master of ceremony comes up to the groom and it's like, this is amazing. It says, most people, they bring the, the best wine out of the first, but you have, this is the best wine we have ever had and you saved it for now. And Jesus, what he is saying is this. This is the statement that miracle was making. I'm the Lord of the party. I'm the Lord of the feast. I am the source of joy. I am the source of life. Don't go to a drink to find joy. Come to Jesus to find your source of joy. That's what this whole miracle is about. It's about believing that Jesus is the one that brings true courage. Jesus is the one that brings true self-awareness. Jesus, like even alcohol, we, we deal with our shame with alcohol sometimes, don't we? And I'm just drink it away. Jesus is the one that deals with our shame. Jesus is the one that deals with our fears. Jesus is the one that deals with our insecurities. Jesus is the one that deals with our what ifs and how is this gonna play out? Jesus is the source of life itself. Isn't that good news? Stand with me, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. We just believe that your word is true. And Lord, uh, today I just, I just wanna break any spirit of religion and condemnation in Jesus' name. Lord, we hold out your word as authoritative and we hear it as an, not just rebuke, but as invitation to life and life to the full. Jesus, you told us the thief comes to rob, kill, steal and destroy, but you have come that we'd have life and life to the full. And so Lord, we just humbly receive your word on this and we celebrate you as our living hope and our source of life, Jesus. God, I pray that we would leave free. God, the Spirit's work in us. Uh, there is no law. We're not under the law. We are set free, God. And I pray that we would leave this place uh, having glimpsed your standards for us and feel the invitation to more and more life in Jesus' name. And so, God, we thank you for this truth. We receive it in the name of Jesus. For the one who leaves this place, uh, God, knowing that, the, hey, okay, it's, I can have a drink here and there. God, I just want to release them from condemnation in Jesus' name. But God, to the, to the many that I believe today, you are challenging to go without, whether it's for someone else or whether it's something you just want to do in them. God, I pray you give them the courage to trust you that anything that you give up, that anything that we give up for you, Lord, you want to replace it with something that is better. And so God, we just surrender ourselves to you today. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.